0: It's not until I landed the role that I have now in a tech company, that I realized I needed to start thinking about my finances and taking them a little bit more seriously because I have a mortgage, I have two kids. And so spending money on unnecessary things is just no longer cute. (laughs) It's no longer an option for me, right? I'm making it no longer an option. Hey, my name is Ariana. And as an immigrant, wife, young mother, and multi-passionate professional, I currently spend my days trying to figure out this crazy and unpredictable thing called life. After a few chaotic years, learning from my mistakes in my early 20s, I've now struck that balance with full-time work at a fabulous tech company and a startup coaching business I run from home. So here we are, making the best of life curveballs and optimizing our opportunities. We talk about all things career, business, money, life, and mistakes and maybe even an after-hour conversation or two. So grab your coffee and pour your wine, and let's get inspired to embrace your weird, all while learning workshop style. The breakout session is about to begin. This is the Side Hustle Experience podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Side Hustle Experience episode number 15. Today, we are talking about Six financial tips to help improve your finances. And I know that that sounds a little bit different than what we're used to hearing here in the podcast, but I think it's just a huge disservice for me not to chat about money when we are talking about careers. So there's no secret that your finances are totally a personal journey. Trust me, I've been there and I know sometimes how taboo this topic can be, but there are just many ways to become debt free, save money, invest and make more money, (laughs) right? Right. In the end, they are just various ways of achieving your personal financial goals. And that is exactly the journey that I'm on is to be debt-free finally and be able to create a better life for myself, my family and specifically for my mental health because that's really what's bogging me down lately. In this episode, we will be discussing six personal finance tips or more so like decisions I have made to help me in the journey of becoming debt-free, create generational wealth for my kids specifically, and have plenty of money for retirement. I believe that these tips are definitely going to help you achieve your own financial goals because I really had just gotten down to the nitty-gritty of what really makes healthy financial sense for a lot of the things that I'm doing. Now that I am in tech making a little bit of a cushier type of salary, I wanted to make sure that I was allocating my money in places where it could be working for me in the future. Okay, so I know that I mentioned retirement in the beginning, and I so get it. It's really not the sexiest things to chat about, right? We don't want to talk about retirement, especially at our age. I am still in my 20s, and I am sure that if you are listening to this podcast, you're potentially either in your mid to late 20s or even in your 30s. If you're older, you're also welcome. And if you're younger, absolutely welcome as well. But in reality, I'm just trying to chat about the things that I've gone through and the things that I'm going through in the moment. And that's usually the age gap that I relate to the most. But the reality is that if most of us will be blessed to be around for retirement time, we better hope to have a plan ahead of time because retirement is the biggest expense of your life. I'm going to say that again. Retirement is and always will be the biggest expense in your life. And so it's best for you to plan ahead of time to have enough money to retire on because One, you probably don't want to be falling on other people to be taking care of you when you're older. And two, getting to retirement age is a huge blessing. There's many people in my life who unfortunately are no longer with us. And that just makes me feel more fortunate of being in this earth. Although sometimes I have my mixed feelings about turning 30, but that's for another podcast. I am really going to get vulnerable here and I really thought (laughs) hard, long and hard about this episode and I just had a few bullet points that I put together and although I don't consider myself quote unquote to be an expert in financial advice, obviously I'm not certified in any way, I'm not a financial advisor, I'm not an accountant, so this is just my own personal opinion and please take it with a grain of salt of just having to be educational for you But I just could not ignore this aspect of my life any longer. I've pushed it way too long and me ignoring it is not going to fix the issue. So I'm really just going to go down to all of the nitty-gritty details that I've been going through the past few months since I landed a job in tech. And I wanted to bring this topic up because although there's a huge taboo in my family and in society in general when it comes to talk about money, specifically for women, I know and understand the importance of how money can really give you more opportunities and options. And just for me, having options and opportunities is huge, given that I am an immigrant to this country. I have been able to see the immense opportunities that we have here in this country. And yes, politics aside, I know that there's a lot going on that we have to fix and pay attention to as a nation. But compared to where I'm coming from, a third world country, and I know that we don't call it that anymore, but I mean, it's a country in the Caribbean where compared to the United States, the United States is just heaven compared to where I'm coming from. So I I hope that you can understand what I'm trying to say when I say that. And of course, one of the biggest reasons why I also wanted to bring this topic up is because you cannot talk about careers without talking about money. Because in the end, you have a job or a career to sustain yourself, right? To be independent, to pay for your bills and to survive. And also so that you can retire, So what a disservice would it be for me not to talk about this particular topic when I am teaching you how to land six-figure jobs, right? I want you to also know what to do with those six figures. And yes, it's big to talk about six figures, but I actually just posted on my TikTok, which by the way, if you don't follow me there, you absolutely should. The side hustle experience on TikTok. I just chatted about that because I did a video about budgeting and people were confused. Like, how is this a six-figure salary? I said, yeah, exactly. Welcome to my life. I don't see probably 50% of my paycheck because I am paying for taxes first. I am paying for my 401k, Roth IRA. I am paying for insurance for my family and myself. I'm paying for FSA, HSA, you name it. Probably 47 to 50% of my paycheck is taken out before I can see it. So of course it's going to seem little. And if you add it up, it's not going to make it to the six figures. It's probably going to be you know 75 to 85K a year clean. That's what I take home. But in reality, I'm getting paid $129,000 a year to be transparent. And a lot of that goes to taxes and all of the other stuff that I just explained. Unfortunately, I don't know much about investing, which is something that I am really trying to learn more about because it's something that I understand the importance of compound interest and how much wealthier you can become by the time you retire if you were to invest your money as opposed to saving it somewhere in a bank. There is no secret about making too little money or too much money. And that's, I think, where the taboo comes in, right? I mean, I posted some TikToks about money and then people just seem to be very bothered by that. They feel very attacked about me sharing my salary, my bonus, everything that I earn in my job, which I, by the way, worked very hard to land a job like this. And I don't say it to brag in any way. I don't say it for people to think that I'm flaunting it. It's just for you to know what's possible and for you to know that, Me, as a first-generation Latina, first-generation immigrant, first-generation college student, it's very important for me to show you that you are capable of brilliant things. You just have to put your mind to it and really just rely on people around you. So I'm going to go back to my first experience with money. And it was very late in life, to be honest. I think I was 11 years old with my first experience about money. And I really wanted these white shoes, these brand new shoes that I wanted. And my parents didn't have money to purchase it for me. I was a very insistent kid. I'm still a very insistent person. So I was just insisting to my parents. I needed the shoes. I needed the shoes. I needed. I really didn't need the shoes. I just wanted them. I mean, I was an 11 year old little girl. I didn't know any better. And that is the first experience and memory I have about money. Where I used to talk to my parents, like, what do you mean you don't have money? Like, you're my parents, like, you're supposed to buy things for me, like, you're supposed to give me things, or if I need something, you need to give it to me. That's the mentality that I have back then. I really didn't understand the value of money. I didn't really know what money was. I didn't really know how scarce money was in my family. And although, thankfully, we never went hungry, my parents always assured that we never went hungry, there was just a lot of scarcity around money in the family. By the way, I didn't end up getting the shoes because my parents really couldn't afford it. And now that I'm older, I understand the pressure that I was putting on them, unfortunately. But again, I just didn't know any better. And that is the first memory I have about money. So just to tell you, when I was growing up in the Dominican Republic, we didn't really have much. My mom was working two jobs. My dad was working two jobs as well. And we were barely making ends meet. We sometimes had to eat like rice and beans. Sometimes rice and eggs, like we had to choose between what we were supposed to eat because we didn't really have money to buy more. So, I do come from very humble backgrounds. And so, when I came to the United States, I was 15 years old. And the first thing I put to my mind was, I need to start working. But of course, I couldn't start working until I was 16 because back then, that's just the legality of things. So, I started going to the stores because, I mean, what other type of income can you really make at age 16? 10 plus years ago, the online space, the online businesses really didn't exist. And I didn't really know that that was a thing. So I was just going to all of the sneaker stores and all of the fashion stores, just like asking people, like, if I could get a job and I didn't even have a resume, I didn't have anything. And at one point I get to this sneaker store on Fordham University, actually, (laughs) which is crazy. I was 16 years old, went into this sneaker store and I knocked on the door because they were about to close. And... I asked him, Hey, I need a job. Can you give me a job? And he was like the manager. I remember his name actually, which he was super nice. He was like, no, we don't have a job, but you know, just come back next week and see. I went back every single day for three weeks until this guy was just sick of me and told me, fine, we're going to hire you. So they hired me as a sales associate with my dad was really not happy about that at all. He didn't want to see his 16 year old little girl working, but I shut him down really quickly with his ego because I said, well, are you going to buy me, you know, clothes or shoes, like whenever I want. And like I just put it that way. And like I can help you financially. Like I can help you by just buying things for myself so that you don't have to buy them for me. Right. That was the kind of compromise that we got into. And so just to close off that story, when I first started working, I was 16 years old as I just mentioned. And I spent every single penny I earned. Saying that hurts my soul right now. Saying that hurts my soul. I never saved a dime. I cannot tell you that I have a dollar from that time. I used to have that scarcity mindset, you know, when it comes to money, because I never had it, right? I had that thing about money that if I get it, I have to spend it because I need to just fulfill that void of that little girl that needed those white sneakers, right? We grew up in a very modest and frugal lifestyle, although we were frugal because we really didn't have any other options. Like, it's not like a choice we had, it's just something that we had to do in order to survive. And so when I had money, I just wanted to buy all the things although they weren't really needs, they were just things that I wanted. They were really just filling that void of emptiness of the things that I didn't get to have when I was younger. And so I had that detachment from it because quote unquote money is made to spend. That is a mentality that we had back in my home country with my family, friends, everybody around me. Money was just meant to spend because, you know, We're going to make more money tomorrow. So who cares? Let's just care about the today, which is a very crazy mentality we all have. And Dominicans, if you go there to vacation, you can actually sense it, that people just live in the today. They don't think about the tomorrow, which sometimes can be good because you tend to live with less stress. But I mean, I'm just floored at the fact that I still had this mentality two years ago. Okay, I'm almost in my 30s and I was still thinking this way two years ago, So not too long ago. Well, I agree that you should absolutely not be in the business of hoarding money because that's also not good. You should also know the ways of how to put your money to work, not just spend it. Because yes, right now, if I knew what I knew then, I probably would be a millionaire 10 times over with the power of compound interest. I mean, If you invest every month for 50 years, because I was 16, let's say that I would retire at 65, 66, that could have gotten me close to $10 million by the time I retired. And if you need to do that calculation, you can go to Wallet. They have a calculator for compound interest, which is really handy. You can go and check it out. I will link it in the show notes in case you need access to it. But we are now living in the past. And I'm really trying to just be better at not dwelling over things that what could have been, if what if I would have done this or that, which is exactly what I'm explaining to you, like if I would have done that back then. It's not really serving me because unfortunately I can't go back in time. I cannot put myself back when I was a 16 year old girl, just to kind of shake her and tell her, do not spend all of your money. I just need to take that as an experience and move forward to learn new lessons in life, right? That is a little bit of a story behind the scenes as of why I'm so passionate about teaching you about personal finance, because it's the same journey that I'm in right now. And I want to take you through that journey of learning more what to do with that money when you finally learn that awesome career. It's not until I landed the role that I have now in a tech company that I realized I needed to start thinking about my finances and taking them a little bit more seriously because I have a mortgage, I have two kids, I have two immigrant parents who, although are not counting to be dependent on us, me and my siblings, the harsh reality is that they might not have enough money to retire on. And so we are going to have to be taking care of them in some sort of way when they get to the retirement age, which is not too far. And so spending money on unnecessary things is just no longer cute. <laughs> it's no longer an option for me, right? I'm making it no longer an option. And it's not like I'm shopping, you know, it's not like I'm getting red bottoms or like these Louis Vuitton things. I'm not getting really expensive things. I just, I'm the type of person who always goes, where the heck has my money gone? Like that's the type of person I am. Like I get paid and then two days later, it's like, oh, woof, what was that? Where's my money? Because I refuse to look at my statements. I would go months without looking at my checking account, without looking at my credit card account. I was just too afraid and ashamed to look, to be honest. I was just ashamed. I was just beating myself up and just filled with guilt at the fact that I didn't have more, at the fact that I was spending so much. But again, this is just no longer an excuse for me. I can no longer dwell in the past. I can no longer fix what I have done. I can only take action in who I am today and who I want to become tomorrow. Because I just came to the realization that this is the youngest I will ever be. This is the most energy I would ever have. And I am at the healthiest I will ever be. Let us sink in for a second. This is the youngest you will ever be. This is the most energy you will ever have. And it's the healthiest state that you would ever be. So I needed to stop taking those blessings for granted and started to call myself out on the self-pity that I was living in, on the what ifs. What if I would have done that? What if I would have done this? Or what if tomorrow I just win the lottery, which is so stupid because I don't even play lotto, but I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, this is just what my brain does for me. So when I said enough, enough is enough, no longer ignoring this, I started to accept my situation and remove the shame from it because I just want to give you the permission slip today to remove away that shame of feeling like you could be doing better or you could have done better. Guess what? You can't do anything about that, but I command you, I give you all the freaking hurras, and I pie yourself in the back right now because you are listening to this and you're sticking to the end because I am going to be giving you awesome tips that it's not coming from an expert. It's just like a regular guy like you. Okay. So once I said enough with the whole ignoring situation, (laughs) which I don't know how I could have done that for so long, I started to accept my situation and realized that I just needed the harsh reality for myself. I couldn't have anybody else tell me because I was very quiet about it. I would never tell people about my finances. I would never talk to them about how I felt about it because it's shameful. And so I also told myself when I was getting ready to look at my statements, when I was getting ready to look at my spending habits, when I was getting ready to look at my loan statement, these are the things that went through my mind and I want you to really just take time to absorb this. Number one, now is better than never. So that's when I help you really remove that shame that you have around money and around your habits when it comes to money. Now is better than never. So commend yourself and give yourself kudos for being here, for taking responsibility, for taking action. Number two was that you did not know any better, but now you do. Now you have the resources and the education to do better. So consider that a blessing, consider that a privilege. Now, the third thing that I was thinking about when I was getting ready for this is that now I have the opportunity to teach my children the things that I wish I knew when I was a child. I have a three-year-old and I have a one-year-old. So I am taking the oath as I speak into the mic today. And I am holding myself accountable to teach my children the things that I didn't know. And I am not blaming my parents in any way because my parents also didn't know any better. They did the best they could with what they had. And so that's really giving me a lot of energy to now teach others in the community to take them along the journey with me of self discovery, of being shameless about my finances, of being open about sharing how much money I earn, how much money I owe, and how am I going to go about paying that debt? And the last thing that I was looking through and writing down as I was journaling my way through this process, If I don't take control, no one else will. And before you know it, it will be 30 years in the future, time for retirement, and I will be sorry. My ass will be sorry that I became a burden to the loved ones around me because I didn't plan ahead, because I didn't have the courage to look at my statements, because I didn't feel smart enough to invest my money in the right places. There's just so much information out there to get this straightened out that there's no more excuses, at least not for me. And I know that that might sound a little harsh, everything that I just said. This is exactly the reality check I had on myself. And I know that it might be a little harsh, but I just needed to wake up. I am here to tell you that you do not need to feel shame in any way. I'm going to say that one more time. It is okay to be in the journey that you are on. I know that you're not alone because, hey, I'm here too. And I'm telling you, and I certainly hope that this is resonating with you because I am pouring my heart and soul into this episode and I'm saying things that I've never told anyone out loud for sure. And being here today, listening to this episode is the first step towards freedom. So before we begin with the tips that I wanted to share with you, here are the main reasons why I decided to take my finances a little bit more seriously and why I think you should as well. Number one, I want to make enough money to retire and enjoy the fruits of my labor, all this hard work, all these long hours that I put towards my career, all these sacrifices that I'm making by taking time away from my family to do this podcast so that I can potentially monetize it, right? So that I could potentially have more income coming in the house. That's number one. Number two, uh, this one hurts. (laughs) I have debt to pay off and it might not sound like a big number because I know there's some people who have a lot more than me, but I have $81,099.48 in debt to be exact. That's how much money I need to pay back. Combined, there's three different loans that I have, and they're all being different interest rates. So they're all over the place. It is composed of student loans and personal loans that I had to take during COVID. COVID really was just harsh for me when it comes to my personal finance because I only had my student loans, which was close to $50,000. But then I had to take some money out as a personal loan to just keep us afloat because my husband has his own business and a lot of that business requires him to travel. And during 2020, there was no traveling, therefore no business, therefore no income, therefore no money. <laughs> so I just had to take that personal loan to kind of keep us afloat a little bit for the money that I was bringing in for my job. Number three, the number third reason why I decided to take my finances a little bit more seriously is because I want my children to have better opportunities and options than I had, which is why I'm so passionate about building generational wealth for them, because I don't have that. <laughs> I don't have that at all. And I want them to grow up learning the power of money, growing up learning the value of money and growing up knowing that although I'm a woman of color, I'm an immigrant, I'm a first generation, I will be able to do that for them so that they can have better opportunities than I ever had. And number four, which is probably one of the most important pieces of why I decided to take this seriously, I really don't want to be a burden. I really don't. I want to be set and I don't want to be a worry for anybody. All right. So enough with the chattiness. Here is what you came in for. Here are the six tips. Actually, I have a bonus. So it's going to be seven tips. All right. So here are the tips I started to implement to better my finances and how you can do the same. Okay. Are you ready? Take out your pen and paper because this is good. And again, this is just something coming out of a regular person just like me. I'm no expert. I am not certified in any way. Hey there. If you are enjoying the podcast, I would so much appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would help the show reach more multi-passionate professionals, and it gives me feedback on what direction to take future episodes. I have linked a tutorial on how to do so in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. Actually, before I give you any of these tips, I do want to tell you that I decided to hire a personal financial advisor because I was interested in buying life insurance. I was interested in buying long-term protection for my income. So God forbid something were to happen to me, I would be able to protect my income to a certain amount so that I don't have to take a loan like I did in 2020. Okay. So that's number one. And it's aside from the other tips that I'm going to give you. Okay. So I decided to go to a professional because those insurance, things, like I just wouldn't have known how to do it on my own. And I want to make sure that my children are taken care of in case something happened in me or my husband. All right. So now on to the tips. Tip number one is to start with a cash flow statement. I know that that sounds convoluted and complicated. I went to business school and this is something that I learned in my accounting class, which is interesting that I took those classes and I didn't even pay attention to it until later on. But a cash flow statement is simply how much money is coming in and how much money is coming out. So the money that's coming in is your income or any money that you're bringing in because of your labor, because of your work. And the money that's coming out is just your bills, your expenses, the things that you're buying, paying debt, all of that, money that's literally leaving your wallet or your bank account, that and the money that's coming into your bank account is a cash flow statement. That's just a fancy way of saying money in, money out, okay? And oh boy, in this step, I realized where my money was actually going. Was going to certain subscriptions that I was no longer using and I was paying for, was going to... Crazy high bills that I could have lowered in some way. Like I actually called my phone bill. I let them lower 20%. I stopped buying as much food as I was because I used to buy a lot of food. I don't like to cook. So I was buying a lot of food, especially when my husband was traveling. I was just doing that a lot. And Amazon, oh my gosh, Amazon was just all over my statement. So what I did was I deleted the app from my phone for a week to give myself a break from all of the Amazon damn money coming out of my account. Okay, so sometimes you just have to do the hard things, and sometimes I would see myself like throwing my thumbs, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's my Amazon account," and I just I have it back on my phone. But what I did was I removed my card out of the shopping cart, so that way, if I'm buying something, I have to get up from wherever I am to look for my card, which is usually not convenient. And by the time that I'm thinking, I'm like, "I don't want to get up," I just forget about whatever I'm purchasing, and then I realize I really don't need it. Okay, so that's what I realized when I looked at my cash flow statement, which is the money that was coming in and the money that was coming out. All right, so that's number one. The second tip is now that you understand how much money you need to survive on, like how much you need for your bills and how much money you're actually bringing in, I'm gonna need you to do a budget. That's what I did. I created a budget, which believe it or not, I've never had done a budget before because I always thought that they were overwhelming and restrictive, but I decided to make it in a way where it was not going to be limiting me to buying things I wanted but just to make me conscious of the things that I was purchasing, the things that I was spending money on. And then I realized that although I was really not buying that many things, my bills were just a little bit too high for the money I was bringing in because we have really the bare minimum. Like those are the things that we do here. We don't buy a lot of things, but sometimes we splurge. And that's something else that I'm going to talk about in a little bit because it's like, oh, we don't ever buy anything for ourselves and we work so hard and blah, 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 right? We make all of those excuses and we spend money and then we don't think about it. All right, so create a budget, again, not to be restrictive, but just to be conscious of what it is that you're doing. So the budget is really just allocating money towards certain things, like your bills with the, are non-negotiables. Those are fixed expenses, like your car payments, if you have any, your mortgage, your rent, medical insurance, and other things that are still bills, but are variable. So fixed bills mean that they're not going to vary every month. They're going to be the same exact amount every single time. Like your rent is not going to vary month to month, obviously year to year they would, but not month to month. Same with your car payment. They're probably not going to vary month to month. Things that are not going to change month to month. But then we also have other bills like groceries and gas and electricity and water. Like All of those things are expenses and bills, but they're variables, which means that it depends on how much you consume every month. That is going to change unless you have those bills on equal payment plans, which I did that one year. And it was a hot mess because I did that with my electric bill and they were charging me $200 a month. And then at the end of the year, they charged me $1,000 in December. And I was like, wow, they were like, oh yeah, you had some surpass amounts, some surplus of electricity you used, but you weren't paying for it. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> because I just realized I was paying a lot more at the end of the year than you have to just pay what it is every month. That's a personal decision. But then for the budget, you just have to create that. You have to put your variable expenses and your fixed expenses, and then you have savings and your debt payment, right? So first you have to take care of the things that you need to live off of. Your shelter, food, electricity, water, right? Those are your things that you cannot live without. Then we have your savings and your debt. So what I did was, because I wasn't saving enough, I started paying myself first. Even before my bills, I technically take between $300 and $500 a month into my savings account first before I even pay any of my bills. That's what I do every single time I get paid because I wasn't saving enough money. So now I have to kind of catch up. And then after you have your fixed expenses, variable expenses, your savings and your debt payment, then you have another percentage of your income that can just go to things you want. Again, not making this budget restrictive, but just conscious, right? For you to know where your money is going. And I usually like to call this the 50-30-20 rule, which is 50% of your income would go towards your needs, 30% of your income would go towards your wants, and 20% of your income would go towards saving and debt payment. Right now, I am at a 47% spending things on needs. So 47% of my income is going towards the needs, bills, expenses. Then I have 25% going to debt and the rest saving. So I'm really not spending much on things I want, except for like my subscriptions like Hulu and Netflix, because we don't have cable. That's what I do for my budget. Tip number three is to pay yourself first, which is what I just mentioned within the budget. It's just making sure that you have enough money for yourself. So because you're working so hard, you're earning this money month to month, and then you're paying bills, which is like paying someone else. (laughs) So pay yourself first. What I do is I have automation with my 401k, with my Roth IRA, with my savings account to just make sure I'm paying myself first. That's tip number three, which is super simple four is to build down an emergency fund. And what I mean by an emergency fund is to have every single month, the amount of money you need to survive, like your needs, your bills, your rent, water, food, all of those things. Like how much money do you actually need on a month to month basis? And so your emergency fund is going to be built out of those. So let's say that you need a thousand dollars a month to survive, just to pay your bills. You would need three to six months of that $1,000. So you would need between $3,000 and $6,000 to survive. Right now for me, my emergency fund, I want to build it out to six months. Right now I am at $5,000 saved up for my emergency fund. I need $3,322 to live off of. Like my bills, my expenses, my debt payment, minimum debt payments all of that, I would need $3,200 every month. So if you calculate that and multiply it by six months, that's how much money I would need. And so the reason I am so concentrated on building out my emergency fund is because one, it took a hit in 2020. I completely wiped out my my savings and I just didn't have enough savings because if I would have had enough savings, I probably wouldn't have had to take that loan that now I'm paying back at some sort of crazy percentage. (laughs) So that's something else to think about. Really just building out your emergency fund should be the number one priority when it comes to taking care of your finances. All right. Number five. Tip number five is to save for the nice purchases instead of putting the money up front. And this is something that my husband and I are still working on because we, again, we work so hard. We really don't spend a lot of money on a lot of things. And so when we want something that's nice or expensive, we just buy it without planning it out. And that's just really something I'm realizing that that's where the hole is at. Like if I want a new phone, like I just go and buy the new phone as opposed to say, you know, I want the new phone, but let me just plan it out where I'll save $300 every month for the next three months. And that way I have all of the money saved up aside instead of me just taking a huge chunk of my paycheck and then not knowing where the rest of the money is going, if that makes sense. Just make sure that you're saving for nice purchases, for vacations, something else that we do, like if we do take a vacation, which hasn't happened in a long time. But if we do, we just literally put the money up front as opposed to start saving ahead of time for a vacation. And then we come back and it's like, oh shoot, we spend way too much because we didn't give ourselves a budget. We didn't give ourselves the time to save it up. And that's really detrimental to your finances. Tip number six. We're getting there, guys. We're getting there. Tip number six is to automate, 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 okay? If you can make your life easier, it's just going to be a lot better because you're not going to have time for excuses of like, I don't have time. I don't know what to do. So what I decided to do was just go onto my employer's website where they're paying me. I automated my 401k where they take that money out without me even seeing it. I automated all of the other payments like the Roth IRA, the HSA, FSA, and then from there, I also automated from my employer to transport money into my savings account so that I don't have to. Because if I were to have to, I'm always going to come up with an excuse like I need money here, I need money there, as opposed to putting the money where it's supposed to go, which is my savings. So I have that money coming out of my paycheck before I even see it for my savings. And even after I get paid, I still get like $200 or $300 to put towards my savings again, because I was able to build out the $5,000 emergency fund in two months by doing that just literally putting every little penny that was left over from my bills into that emergency fund because I just want to make sure that I have everything ready because we just never know. After 2020, I just like panicked. <laughs> so automate, make sure that you're doing things in an easy way so that you don't have to burden yourself with things and having to do it every single time you get paid. Just have that be ready for you to go. So that's the sixth tips. So the bonus tip that I have for you, which is tip number seven, is to take care of yourself before you take care of others. And it's like when you're in a, airplane and something's going wrong and they give the oxygen masks, they tell you to put it on yourself first. The reason I'm telling you that is because I hired a financial advisor and the first thing out of my mouth was I want to create a college account for my kids. And the first thing out of his mouth was like, that's really nice that you want to do that, but just want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself first. Like your retirement account is taken care of, your emergency fund is taken care of, and that your regular savings are taken care of before you even think about creating an account for your kids because you're still young, your kids are still really little." Worse comes to shove, they can take a loan out, which obviously I don't want them to, but it's like, they can take a loan out, but it's worse. You cannot take a loan for your retirement. And I was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. You cannot take a loan for your retirement, but you can take a loan for your college. So it's like, that makes so much sense. It was like, yeah, let's just t- put a pause to all of the plans about the kids because they're so young. Just take care of you first. And then once you're in a comfortable spot, then we can think about how you can potentially help them for the future. I'm like, Makes sense. That's why I hired a professional. And that's why I'm giving you the same advice. So just make sure that you're taking care of yourself before you do it for others. And something else that I'm doing to continuing this journey of being more healthy with my finances, being more okay with that. Again, you can follow me on TikTok. I give very personalized, bite sized information about this journey that I just started not too long ago. Side hustle experience or simply Eddie there on TikTok. I'm going to be linking it in my show notes. So make sure to check it out if you're interested. But something else that I'm doing is just checking in with myself every month. So every first Sunday of every month, I sit down, I print out my statements. I highlight the things that I was supposed to spend money on, like my bills, expenses, blah, blah, blah. How much money did I put towards my savings? How much money did I spend on things I really didn't need? And so I just go through that and then I make myself conscious about thinking, why was I Going through when I bought that? What was I going through when I made the purchase? Because it's going to make me realize the relationship I have with money. If it's that 11 year old little girl wanting something that my parents couldn't give me, or if it's something that just makes me feel happy in this moment. Because sometimes you just want to make sure that you're not buying things to feel a void or to feel trauma from your childhood, but something that's making you happy in this moment. Like if you're living to get a latte every morning from Starbucks and that's your highlight of your day, By all means, spend your $5 on the latte because it's making you happy and that's something that you want to spend money on and it's good for you, for your mental health and for your stability and for the way you feel. But if you're doing it because you couldn't when you were younger, because your parents couldn't afford it for you, then you might want to think that over. Anyways, I have been chatting for way too long on this episode. This is just so raw for me and so personal that I really wanted to make sure that I touch on all of those little points. But I am curious to see how this episode resonates with you guys. Please make sure to share it on your social media platforms. If you are sharing on Instagram, make sure to tag me. I am so happy to see you there, chat with you, and just reshare it so that other people can see it. You can tag me, Side Hustle Experience, on Instagram. I will be happy to have you there. And until next episode, over and out. Thank you so, so much for all the support I've been receiving so far in this amazing podcast. I cannot wait for you to come back for the next episode. I'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode, and I hope that it served you well. If you enjoyed it or found it to be something that resonated with you, share that takeaway with me over on Instagram so that the community can also see it. And if you tag me at Side Hustle Experience, I will be sure to reshare it. Your support and feedback means the world to me. I hope to have you back on the next episode at the same time, same place. Over and out.